the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Caregiver SOS On Air, presented by the WellMed Charitable Foundation with nationally known gerontologist Carol Zernio and veteran broadcaster and attorney Ron Aaron. This program provides health, wellness, and other information for caregivers who are vital to the health and well-being of so many people across our country. Now, here are your hosts, Ron Aaron and Carol Zernio. Well, thank you so much for joining us today on Caregiver SOS On Air. I'm Ron Aaron. We are delighted to have you with us. The award-winning Caregiver SOS on Air comes to you every week with a look at issues that affect caregiving and care recipients, as well as the extended family involved in that caregiving process. Carol Zerniel, our co-host, is with us today. Carol has a master's degree in gerontology. She is a nationally recognized gerontologist who was named one of the nation's top 50 influencers in aging by Next Avenue, the digital arm of the PBS system. Carol's been involved in the field of aging for some 30 years, and we're delighted to have her with us. She's executive director of the WellMed Charitable Foundation. Carol Zerniel, we're talking today about already toast, talking about the challenges that so many caregivers face. You hear about it all the time. Well, I do. I'm so pleased to have Kate Washington join us, and and the title of her book, um, Already Toast, Caregiving and Burnout, because burnout... Um, we, we've heard about it. We think we know what it is. Um, but it's, it's an issue that affects probably every caregiver, um, and needs to be taken seriously. Well, we'll take a moment and introduce Kate and delighted to have her with us. She's a writer living in Northern California. Her book, Already Toast, Caregiving and Burnout in America has been called an eye-opening account from a full-time caregiver, a timely and crucial appeal. Washington's work includes creative nonfiction, essays, memoirs, deeply researched long-form pieces, and food writing. She holds a Ph.D. in Victorian literature from Stanford University and is a member of Les Dames d'Escoffiers. She lives in Sacramento with her family. And uh, Kate Washington, we're delighted to have you with us. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm delighted to be here. You have had more hands-on experience with caregiving for a mom and a dad dealing with dementia than anybody ought to have. Tell us about that experience. Well, let me actually say it it was not um with parents dealing with dementia. It was with my husband and a severe form of lymphoma followed by a bone marrow transplant, um, which was a very intense period from about 2015 to maybe about 2018, uh, where the after effects were um really severe for him. Um, I had young children at the time at home, so I was kind of sandwiched between caring for him and caring for our kids. And I'll just say that the title of my book comes from being in a doctor's office and crying and being told, you know, you have to take better care of yourself if you're going to take care of him. And I went home to Google and found a quiz on caregiver burnout. And the result I got after I took it was already toast. It said, popped up and said, you're already toast. And that was after Brad, um, my husband had come home from the doctor from the hospital after his bone marrow transplant, 
blind, unable to walk, and with a host of other issues, immune compromised, other things. And I was told he can't be left alone even for a moment. He needs 24-hour eyes on him. And I said, you know, how can I do that? It sounded so intense. We'd already had intense months in the hospital. And indeed, it did get much more intense at home and really led to pretty severe burnout for me. How did you do it? Well, we had to hire help, actually. And we were very fortunate that we were able to dip into savings and get help from family and patchwork um, care together. You know, for a lot of people, that's not possible. And I want to acknowledge that so many caregivers are working full time to pay the bills, to keep insurance for their loved ones going and cannot be present 24 hours a day. I mean, I couldn't be present 24 hours a day because I had to sleep and take my kids to school. But I I'm a freelance writer. And so I stopped working for the duration. But it was financially challenging and emotionally and challenging and really difficult in terms of my energy. I was probably putting in 40 hour weeks or more as a caregiver while also having round the clock caregivers hired in our home for a period of several months. Well, well, Kate, talk a little bit about, um, I mean, you took the quiz and you were already toast. What did that feel like on your side? And, And were you surprised? I mean, did you know you were already toast? I think on some level, I did already know that. I mean, I just spent an hour in a doctor's office crying silently while being you know, advised on my husband's care and what his needs were. It was at a really intense period. Um, I was exhausted. I, my my physical health was suffering. My mental health was certainly suffering. I felt like I was clumsy. I was tripping over things and hurting myself, but I never had time to go to the doctor. I wasn't sleeping. I had really high anxiety. Um, I, looking back, I was pretty depressed. I was socially isolated because for both time reasons and emotional reasons. It was difficult to connect with other people. And I'd gone into this almost robotic mode of care. And I think one thing that's really critical to talk about with burnout, um, because it relates so much to the crucial core of caregiving, is that it really saps our ability to be empathetic and to have that true care for the loved one that we're caring for. You know, a lot of us, for me, I had gone into kind of a self-protective mode. Um, My husband, we're actually now many years later separated, but my then husband, um, we had heard that he was going to die multiple times. And I kind of emotionally shut down to cope with that. And it was not good for me as a caregiver. And it was not good for me as a person either. So it had multiple physical, mental and emotional effects. And it's something that I think all caregivers and the people who care for them, the community surrounding them, the therapists or mental supports or, you know, leaders of support groups really need to be aware of and look out for. We're going to find out how you got out of that funk and turned yourself into uh, the, the nationally recognized speaker you have become on Caregiver Burnout. You're listening. For those who may have just joined us to Caregiver SOS on air, this award-winning program is available not only over the air, but on podcast as well. And you can find Caregiver SOS on air Almost wherever you get your podcast. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Carol Zerniel. Kate Washington is our special guest. She is the author of Already Toast, Caregiving and Burnout in America. We're talking about a book that can provide, I, I assume, help and guidance for others. What turned you around? What brought you out of that uh, terrible place you were in? Well, 
It was a combination of factors. You know, gradually Brad did begin to recover a little bit and my caregiving duties eased up, though I will also add that that time when there is a break for caregivers is a real danger point for depression and anxiety because often the emotions that people have put out dealing with for their time as a caregiver because they just had to get through it will come back and need to be coped with. So I had to do a lot of coping through pretty extensive therapy. I was able to take some breaks. I was fortunate to be able, as um, he got better and as our children got a little older, to be able to, you know, take some time away for myself. And honestly, writing my book and processing through the emotions, both, you know, with help and guidance in therapy, with support people, with close friends, and also on the page was really cathartic and important for me. What I really hoped to do in the book was show caregivers, like reflect back to them and experience that so many millions of people, you know, uh, over 50 million adults in America care for a loved one. So many millions of people are going through this. And I wanted to validate the experience, validate how difficult it can be and help people understand that if they're experiencing burnout, if they're coping with negative emotions around caregiving, they're not alone and it's normal. And while there are many rewards and a lot of meaning in caregiving, it's also an incredibly intense and difficult experience. So that was the purpose of my book. And it was a real help. And in fact, in the wake of it being published two and a half years ago, hearing from caregivers, talking to them and you know, talking to many people has been hugely helpful for me. You know, and listening to you talk about feeling robotic or just being robotic, being on autopilot as you're caregiving. And and many of us who have been caregivers fall into that. It's the things, it's the doing, and we just have to keep doing. But then you don't feel like yourself, right? And that creates a whole nother set of conflicts within yourself because you don't recognize yourself, you don't feel like yourself, and you may not even like yourself in that particular mode. Did, did you did you feel any of that as you were kind of going through that? Oh, I absolutely agree. And I absolutely did feel that. Um, you know, I had lost touch with a lot of the things that brought me joy and pleasure, which are really important aspects of our life with fun. And I did try to carve out space to stay connected with and do things with my daughters who were nine and five when their dad was diagnosed. Um, and I was always really conscious that they only got one childhood and that I needed to be present for that as well. Um, but, you know, I was irritable. I was short tempered, partly because I was so exhausted. And I did really feel like, who am I and what is the purpose of me as a person, you know, in part because, you know, we all need care and I was giving out so much care and for a lot of circumstantial reasons, just not able to get a huge amount back. And though there were exceptions, you know, our community stepped up, we were getting dinners and help and support. And I think that community care is a really critical part of how any caregiver can get through a, a crisis or an extended period of caregiving. We're going to talk more about this in just a moment. If you're just joined us, you're listening to Caregiver SOS on air. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Carol Zerniel, and we're talking with Kate Washington. She's the author of Already Toast, Caregiving and Burnout in America. It's been called an eye-opening account from a full-time caregiver. We're getting her story 
and finding ways in which as a caregiver, you can begin to help yourself as well. You're listening to Caregiver SOS on air. Well, thank you so much for listening to Caregiver SOS On Air. We're delighted to have you with us. We come to you every week with a discussion of an issue, a problem, some accomplishments involved in caregiving with more than 60 million caregivers across this country, but most thinking they are the Lone Rangers. We try to bring you the latest information and help that can make that job easier and more manageable. Caregiver SOS On Air takes a look at trends across this country. We provide tips on how to be a better caregiver, and most importantly, where you can go for help. On Caregiver SOS On Air, we try to give you what you need to make that caregiving manageable and to provide you with the help that can make your life easier. I'm Ron Aaron. Carol Zerniel and I are delighted to co-host this program, and we're thrilled you've joined us on the award-winning Caregiver SOS On Air podcast available everywhere, brought to you by WellMed Charitable Foundation. Hello, friend. We are so pleased you're sticking with us right here on Caregiver SOS On Air. I'm Ron Aaron, along with Carol Zerniel. Our special guest, Kate Washington, is talking about her experiences as a caregiver and her book, Already Toast, Caregiving and Burnout in America. And we were talking, Kate, about how caregivers who, who are in the kind of funk that you are in, feeling alone, desperate, isolated, can begin to see the light at the end of that tunnel and as the joke goes, it's not an oncoming freight train. In, in your own case, uh, when did you realize you had a problem? You talked about sitting and crying in a doctor's office. And, and then what steps were you able to take to pull yourself together? Well, I think um, I really began to realize how deep I was in caregiving and how challenging it was and was going to be when Brad was hospitalized for his bone marrow transplant. And he was in the hospital for four and a half months in an isolation unit. He couldn't see our kids for most of that time. And at one point he was given a 10% chance of living. I really, we really didn't think he was going to pull through. And it was so difficult being pulled between the hospital and home. Um, The intense emotions and challenges and feeling like I didn't have time for myself, though I was able to, you know, carve out some small bits of time because we did have family help. My husband's parents were staying with us for a good portion of that time. And so that did give me some little respites. Um, You know, one thing that I learned in the course of researching the book and since then is that very few caregivers get any respite care at all, especially folks who are home, say with like aged parents or or older folks doing dementia care. The number is something like 14%. So it's really tough for caregivers to even have time to engage in the self-care that is so often recommended. And while caring for yourself, you know, eating good food, getting exercise when you can, taking breaks when you can, reaching out to friends, accessing support groups and um, virtual support groups have made that much easier, I think, for caregivers, you know, as a perhaps as partly a function of the pandemic and the shutdown, there are more online resources available. It's so difficult, though, to get enough self-care to move through an extended crisis. You know, the average length of caregiving, duration of caregiving for people in the U.S. is over four years, and the average number of hours is 24 hours a week. That is a huge amount of time. 
And so I always really want to emphasize that caregiving is not just an individual issue and the individual caregiver's problem to solve, you know, and it's so hard to see that sometimes and take that step back because caregiving does happen behind closed doors. We live in this individualistic culture and it's often kind of hidden from view. But I think we all really need to be thinking about caregiving as a systemic issue, as something that is a crisis coming that the whole society needs to deal with. Like the oldest of the baby boomers have passed the age of 75. It's a huge generation. The average age of caregiving is moving younger. We need to think about systemic solutions to caregiving, including you know, better supports at the policy level and from employers, as well as community care and community networks of care to help people find this task really sustainable because it is an enormous one. It is caring for society's most vulnerable people and it is not going away. And, and just your making that statement, Kate, is what gives me hope. Ron and I have been doing this show for many years um, and that People are asking for a bigger solution, are asking for policy changes, um, and not being content to continue this struggle uh, and to see, you know, Ron talked about a freight train that's coming. There is a freight train, uh, you know, that is a light coming at the, at the United States and around the world. But that's what gives me hope is that the lights are coming on. We, we cannot continue as, care, as a caregiving nation like this. Yeah, I agree. And I do think that the pandemic and the needs of care, both for children and elders and ill people, those needs during the pandemic really exposed how critical caregivers are. You know, I recall, you know, because um, Brad was still immune compromised and the pandemic kind of thrust us back into a caregiver and recipient role that we had because he had gotten better, had sort of moved past to some extent, though he still had after effects. But the thought that, and I know millions of caregivers experienced this, that if he got sick, I wouldn't be able to be there in the hospital. There would be no advocate um, was terrifying. And it was a terror that played out for millions of people, millions of isolated elders whose caregivers and advocates couldn't visit them in their residential facilities. And I think those you know, those issues came home to people so, you know, directly during the pandemic. And I hope that that will have created some kind of momentum where we can deal with this, this large issue. You know, we do kind of tend to move on as a society, but it's, it's still there, as you say, and it is, it is a freight train. Knowing what you know now and having learned what you have learned, uh, how would you have been different? How would you have responded differently? What would you have done differently? I think I would have asked for help earlier and seen myself as a caregiver earlier. I think one thing that a lot of people, um, as they kind of get into caregiving, either slowly or through a crisis, kind of don't identify that way and access resources and support at an early time before they reach the stage of burnout and once it gets so overwhelming, it can be really hard to do that. You know, I, I sort of like, oh, it's not really, you know, that that hard right now. Well, it got hard. And if I'd had more supports in place or understood more about, you know, local and other kinds of resources I could access, that might have not been the case to such an extent. Um, taking more breaks, um, finding more space and 
letting go of some of the guilt about those things, because that does really come up, I think, for a lot of for a lot of caregivers. Yeah. And then and then thinking about, um, you know, how did how did your what about your children? What about the interactions with your family? How did they get to the other side of this? Because you were the caregiver, but there was a family together in that home. Mm hmm. I mean, it was really challenging. I mean, they, they were young. Um, they each coped in their own ways. I accessed support. I probably did a better job of getting support for them early on than I did for myself. Um, I connected them. We were fortunate that I could connect them with therapists and counselors, and they actually both still have an ongoing relationship with those counselors that they saw when they were very little. And my oldest um, is now in college. So that tells you kind of how, how long it's been. Um, there was a local support group at um, a hospital free of charge. It was an art therapy type of group for kids with an ill parent or um, connected to cancer in some way. There is an amazing organization called Camp Kesem that is a free camp for children affected by a parent's cancer. That's a um, sleepaway camp where they get to just be kids and have fun, but also, um, you know, get appropriate help and um, connection in processing. And my kids started going to that when they were 10 and six and it gave me a break. And it also gave them a break from the illness in the home. Um, you know, they have a very close relationship with their dad who thankfully did survive and is, you know, well enough to be a really active parent to them. And I think that has been really healing, but I know that they'll have their own work to do to process, to continue to process how much his illness and my caregiving kind of dominated their childhoods. And, and yeah. if you were to ask them, what was the biggest challenge for them? What would they tell you? I mean, I, I just recently talked with my now 18 year old about how aware she was that her dad was likely to die. And I tried not to say that directly to her, but kids know. And I think just the fear of that and the fear for his life was the biggest challenge. They also complained about having to go to aftercare after school, but I think they, they'll, they'll <laughs> yeah. get over that. <laughs> that's yeah, well, not, they complain that's about not really that the biggest, the biggest issue. Yeah. Well, you know, looking at where you are now, you know, you talked about getting help earlier. Are there any other recommendations you know, you've spoken uh, to caregivers across the country, uh, people who've read your book? Is there anything else that you would share with a caregiver, whether it's with cancer or any of the situations you've discussed? I mean, I think I would just say, no, you're not alone. Know that there is a community out there for you that can help you, including your own local community. There are resources out there. There is relief. And understand that whatever your feelings are about your caregiving journey, they are valid and you deserve to have them and to have your own life in the midst of the challenges of care. So it's it's more of like a pep talk maybe than like direct resources because pe where people live and what resources are available to them vary so widely and it's so varied with like the trajectory of people's care lives. But I would say, you know, you're not alone. Look for um, help. There's there's a great app called Iana Care that lets you uh, like 
request specific kinds of help from your circle. There's all kinds of online resources now. There's books out there, mine, but also many how-tos. There are resources like the AARP has a fantastic, really comprehensive caregiving site that provides like trainings and help with finances and just everything that you can think of for caregivers. So I know it can be hard to take that time to access those supports, but they are out there and they do exist. And of course, Carol, caregiversos.org has a number of resources as well. Yes, you are. You, I said I have to give a shout out for the website, especially for our caregiver teleconnection, where people you can join with other caregivers and an expert on a variety of topics. So check out caregiversos.org as well, and it's free. And Kate Washington, we've got about a minute left before we let you go. Uh, for folks who want to get a hold of your book, where can they do that? And give us a snapshot of what they'll find between the covers. Well, it's available everywhere, Amazon, um, bookshop.org, hopefully local independent booksellers. There's an audio version as well as it's out in both hardback and paperback. My website is kawashington.com, so that has links to it as well. And what they'll find is a mix of my own story woven together with a lot of discussion of the broader landscape of caregiving as a systemic issue in this country, some of what I've been talking about today, um, thoughts about policy solutions, as well as literary analysis, because I go back to my the subject of my academic work <laughs> and look at caregivers in the culture. Uh, you're the first person we've interviewed who has a PhD in Victorian literature. That is, you're classing our act up here. We appreciate that. <laughs> well, thank you. And thank you so much for being with us today. Kate Washington, you want to get a hold of that book, Already Toast, Caregiving and Burnout in America. I'm Ron Aaron. Thank you to our co-host, Carol Zerniel. You've been listening to the award-winning Caregiver SOS On Air. Executive producers for Caregiver SOS On Air are Carol Zerniel and Ron Aaron. Our associate producer is Christy Romero. I'm Ron Aaron. We'll see you next week on Caregiver SOS On Air. You've been listening to Caregiver SOS On Air, an exclusive presentation of the WellMed Charitable Foundation. We welcome emails with suggestions and comments on this program at radio at wellmed.net. Join co-hosts Carol Zerniel and Ron Aaron next week for more on caregiving, improving the health and well-being of caregivers and their care recipients everywhere. For more on caregiving and podcasts of our programs, visit caregiversos.org. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.